Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's show was made possible by a lot of people. Our amazing producer, Maria Wortel, both of our mothers, our interns, and as always, Solange Knowles. But you know who else we would be proud to partner up with as a sponsor of an episode? You. If you own a business and you'd like to work with us or you work for a brand that you think could be a good fit, contact us at FYI at shoesoffatpod.com. You do talk about things being dark-sided. <laughs> do I? <laughs> Whenever I look at my crystals. I have accused you of being demonic before. Yeah, and I have. do apologize for that. <laughs> Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat. The podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss the Netflix show Elite, getting in touch with our roots, and fat comedians. April, mm-hmm. what are you obsessed with this week? Okay. Besides planning for my birthday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just a couple things on YouTube that I've been really enjoying. Number yes. one, I did want to follow up on the Shane Dawson, Jake Paul documentary. What a mess. Oh okay, God. so the final part was like an hour and 45 minutes. It just ended up being very problematic. So like the part before the last part, they interviewed his girlfriend, or alleged girlfriend, Alyssa Violet, who they were together like during the main Team 10 drama where like okay. their neighbors were reporting them and stuff. And she was like, he was very like emotionally manipulative and he wasn't really with me and he would like abuse me basically for views and like Jeez. do all these weird pranks to her and he just was really hurtful to her. And then he Shane Dawson doesn't really like take him up to task for that. He's like, well, we all know there's three sides to a story. Anyway, tell me more about your childhood. And it just ended up being like all the accusations of uh, Shane just doing this to like help racists recover their image yeah. ended up being like extremely true in this case. I think honestly more so than like well, he's in not a the other journalist, he's a documentarian. It's not a real documentary, which I think we all know, but it's just like he in the other uh documentaries he's done, quote unquote, it's been less transparent. But it like in Tanacon, he really does like call Tan out for being like a fucking mess. But in this one he was like, Jake's just misunderstood. It was like, oh yikes. Like this is bad. And then he had an emotional breakdown afterwards because everyone on Twitter was like, this is bad. What are you doing? And he's like, I give you free content. Like Shane's embarrassing. I did watch all of it. I do regret it. (laughs) It was a mess. Um next YouTube thing was my favorite YouTuber is Evelyn from the internet. She's amazing. Beyonce played one of her videos at her concert. She's an icon. Um she did a video recently about how she resents being called shy which i really relate to because she's like i'm not shy i'm quiet and i'm like choosing what words i say and who i talk to and i'm like say interesting <laughs> like, I, don't like that. I think she's really funny i always agree with everything she puts up um so i'm linking to evelyn in the show notes finally i'm linking to this mess that was on dr phil this week oh, Lord. dr phil has slowly but surely turned into like a, a slob kebab express <laughs> daytime television show i'm 
not sure where that happened, but he interviewed this young teen girl named Treasure who was convinced that she's not black, she's white, even though her name is Treasure and she's black. Um, it's and, amazing. And to be clear, she's not like she's not like ambiguous looking mm. and like could be Italian. She's no, black. Her, her name's Treasure and she's black. Yeah, <laughs> like she's black. Yeah, and it's so sad because I'm sure this girl really is going through some sort of uh, psychotic break. But it is amazing because she's incredibly shady and she said that black people have chaotic, thuggish energy. And honestly, I relate. Wow. <laughs> honestly, she's she's right about that one. I have to give it to her. She was right. What is chaotic, <laughs> thuggish like, energy? It's the whole vibe. It's my whole vibe. I love it. It's getting added to my Twitter bio. Anyway, those are my like media obsessions of the week. And am I listening to the Stars Born soundtrack despite how much it traumatized me? Of course. Well, it's a great soundtrack. <laughs> it's an amazing soundtrack. Um, I love it. All right. Yeah. What are you obsessed with this okay. week? I watched all of this Netflix show made in slash set in Spain called Elite. Oh my god, you're done with Elite? Oh yeah, I finished it. I have sleep issues. No spoilies. No spoilies. I'm in the middle of it. Um, Really enjoyed it. They make all the characters very Mm well-rounded. I think it's very, so it's kind of like a soap opera. It's kind of like Gossip Girl, but better. Gossip Girl, but better. It's like, there's, you know, you know in the beginning, it's like one of them dies at the end and it's like trying to figure out who died, like the whole time you're like, who dies? And then you're like, why did they die? Like who killed them? I can't wait. Um, I hope that they make a season two. Oh yeah, they got they got picked up. Really? Yeah, so Be exciting good, because it ends in like a way where you're like, oh my god, got to know what happens in season two. Love it. Um, I also appreciate how much of it is very just like it's very sexy. Yeah, it is too sexy. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, okay. Spoiler alert: that bathroom, the locker room scene. I was like, are teens boning no, no, like no, that? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, wow. they're all actors in their twenties. Yeah, obviously, god. like nobody, no teens look like that, no. and no teens have sex like that. They're not that sensual. No, 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 no. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, but it's really fun. It's really good. It's very soapy and silly. I don't want to give too much away, but there's all sorts of shit that goes on in it. Just imagine Gossip Girl with white Latinx people yeah. and lots of twists and lots of turns and it being better written yeah. than that. Yeah. Um, it's a good show. I'm enjoying it. Also, um, have been, you know, still obsessed with uh, Empire, that song I played for you last week. From uh, Monster High. Yikes. (laughs) Take Um, over everything. (laughs) It's so funny. Okay, secondly, I'm doing my rewatch of Gilmore Girls. It's just on the background as I have insomnia. (laughs) Okay, so to everyone, so everyone remembers, I get night terrors now. They are great. I had them when I was a kid and now I have them again where I just wake up screaming because I think a man is in my room trying to kill me. Very sexy. (sighs) Very disturbing. (laughs) Yeah, April was here one time when it happened. It Um, was horrible. She said it was awful. And there's an episode where um, when they, when Lorelai opens the dragonfly in and she's going to have all of her friends from the town come and stay and um kirk is nervous about sleeping there yes. because he gets night terrors yes. and so i just wanted to play the clip of that i have night terrors about an hour after i fall asleep i wake up in panic everything around me seems threatening scary out to get me two nights ago i was suddenly gripped with the overwhelming feeling that there was an assassin in my house Jeez. i jumped out of bed and locked my pillow in the bathroom why because it was a bomb. Of course. After neutralizing my pillow, I ran up the stairs, climbed out the bathroom window, scaled the trellis up the side of the house, and hit on the roof. Huh. Completely naked. Ah, oh, jeez. The worst part of night terrors is it always ends up with me on top of the roof completely naked. <laughs> That's like an extremely high, like, I don't yes. do most of that stuff, but some of the descriptions around it and his anxiety about hurting his partner, yeah. it's like, that is very real, actually. Dang. 
Um, it does feel like you just wake up and you're sure someone's there to kill you. The true horror. It's really awful. So it's funny it's to me. I, re- I watched that and I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, clearly one of the writers was having them. Yeah, for real. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Very grounded. You know? So, okay. yeah. Those are my little my little things. I don't have um, super exciting ones this week. I would say Elite is exciting. Everyone check out Elite and let us know what you think. It's so good. It is very good. Also, everyone send um, good vibes to our friend Nina. That's it. Good vibes for hashtag Nina. What's yeah. her hashtag? Didn't we do a? Oh hashtag? yeah, what was it? It was. Did like, we come up with one? It was like, uh, what's the name of the dog she wants? Velveeta. Maybe it was Velveeta for Nina. Hashtag Velveeta for Nina. Everyone send good vibes for hashtag Velveeta for Nina. And also, Lindsay wasn't happy with my fart apology do last week. So, hashtag sorry, Lindsay. I truly am sorry if I hurt your feelings. Period. Okay. Oh my goodness. Let's move on to our Apple Podcasts review shout outs. Y'all know the drill. Thank you so much for writing us a review. We really appreciate it. One day we'll get on new and noteworthy and then um, we'll end the podcast. <laughs> um, so these are our Apple Podcasts review shout outs. Um, your fave, Hannah, Maya Berry Cherry, Angela92, Megan LaFlower, Robin in Covington. My Fish Pajamas, and Daya Dream. Thank y'all so much. We appreciate you. Y'all are the best. And now moving on to our Patreon shoutouts. These are people who have become patrons at patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. We love y'all. You support us. We love you back. Thank you so much for everything you do. Those names are Rachel Runnels, Stephanie Lee, Raquel Katicha, Molly Mack, Miriam Sisuk. Deidre Evans and Alexandra Evans. Thank y'all so, so much. Okay, moving on. Our only piece of news is that it is my birthday coming up. Yikes. <laughs> it literally says correction slash news in the outline, and then it says my birthday. Yep. I just want everyone to know it's going to be my birthday. It's going to be May. It's going to be May birthday. Yikes. And what day is your birthday, Sophie? It's November 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. It's Sophie's birthday. If you want... <laughs> Listen, my boyfriend has not been home for three months. I'm going crazy. He's going crazy. Please um, send her a gift. Send me, send me um, DMs. Send me your favorite animal video. Um, and also, if you ever feel like sending us both fan mail, we used to get a bunch of these, but now we haven't gotten them for a while. And I want to have more creative projects from our fans because y'all make really cool stuff and then send us pictures of it, but send it to us. Our PO box is 137 North Larchmont Boulevard, number 709 LACA 90. 004 that will be in the show notes if you feel like sending me a birthday card. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. <laughs> Do not let Sophie bully you into sending her gift. Listen, my neither my mom, my like my mom's not gonna be here, and my boyfriend's not gonna be here, and my sister's not gonna be here for my birthday. So I'm trying to have a nice birthday without my closest family mm-hmm. here. So you know, <laughs> you're gonna be okay. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So's birthday again is November 5th. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to tip jar. We have a couple tip jars from our listeners this week. So here those are. Hi, Sophie and April. I wanted to share a self-care tip. So I've noticed a lot of people who maybe struggle with self-care are the kinds of people who are really good at taking care of others. Like the trick is pretty simple. It's basically just to shift your thinking and imagine yourself as if you were a friend. 
I know that sounds weird, um, but it really helps me. And you can use it kind of as like a tool when you're trying to decide like if you're being too hard on yourself or if you're not taking care of yourself properly. Just think about like how would you advise a friend if they were going through something similar to you. For me, this has been really useful just to allow myself to kind of ground myself and uh, remind myself of my worth because at the end of the day, you know, we should all be our own friends and look out for ourselves. So I hope this helps. Hi, April and Sophie. I wanted to recommend one thing I do for self-care, which is meditation. This is something that has helped me deal with anxiety um, for the last several years. It's just a way to focus your breath or your attention. Um, it kind of brings me back to myself and feel less overwhelmed in the world. Um, what I've been enjoying recently is a website, UCLA Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. So UCLA M-A-R-C. If you Google that, it should come up. They have a bunch of free um, guided meditations and some of their own podcasts. So that could be a good place to start. Recently, I've been enjoying their loving kindness meditation. It's about nine minutes. And let's move on to, we have a call for submissions this week. So we have an episode coming up later in the season that's going to be about people with problematic body positivity views. So this means, let's say you have strong feelings about body modification, feelings about weight loss surgery, or BBW culture, or any of those things are considered kind of either taboo or people have very strong feelings one way or the other about them within the body positive and fat communities. We want to talk about them. We want to explore them. It's going to be a really exciting, interesting, different episode for us. And so if you have strong thoughts, send us a voice memo. You know how to do it. We can't wait to hear from you. And this is not a gotcha episode, by the way. No, we don't do those. (laughs) (laughs) This is just going to be us being like, huh, like these things are really talked about as like very bad or like very problematic or something. And like, we want to figure out what we think about them. Absolutely. Send us those voice memos. We cannot wait to have you be a part of that episode. We'd also like to give a shout out to our Facebook group, which you can be a part of if you go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod and join team Paisley Moo Moo or above. This week in the group, people are talking about vitamin C serums, navigating femme and feminine presentation with long and short haircuts and therapy lights for seasonal effectiveness disorder. Amazing. We'd also like to give a shout out to team. I love bread, which is our Patreon group that gets an extra segment every single week. This season, y'all asked for stories that are blast in the past. So every week, April and I um, do a little extra segment for y'all and you also get access to the Facebook group, etc. So thank you all so much for being a part of our Patreon. We really, really appreciate it. It literally keeps the lights on over here. Um, And now we should really get to the meat of it, don't you think? Yep. Let's do it. The meat of it. So this week on The Meat of It, we are talking about fat comedians, a subject matter I'm so excited to get into. Yes. Um, So we got this episode idea actually from our iconic intern, Lynn. Mm -hmm. I just went through and found her. Like We asked our team just, what what are you thinking? What kind of topics would you want to cover this season? And Lynn had sent over, what if we talked about... Uh, comedians who discuss their bodies, their marginalized bodies as a part of their act and how they got to that place and how they feel about it. Um, and I love that idea. I love comedy. I'm like slowly dipping my toes into stand up. And I am so excited to talk to these two comedians who have been so gracious to tell us their thoughts. Yeah. Here we are. 
I am Latina, black Tina if you're insufferable. And <laughs> white people are fun. Uh, white people, they just think that I'm a very safe person to run all their casual racism by because I enjoy Wes Anderson films and I brunch. <laughs> I love to brunch. It's a passion. It's a joy of mine. Hi. Hey, guys. I am Danielle Perez. I am a stand-up comedian living in Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Diva Deluxe. And go like my Facebook page, Danielle Perez. <laughs> awesome. So we wanted to talk about um, having a marginalized body in comedy and how it interacts with your work or not. And also just about your work, because I think your work like pretty consistently punches up, which is like what good work does. Our first question is, have you always discussed your intersections in your comedy? And if not, when did you make the decision to do so? Just because like we said, we've both seen you live. Last time I saw you was John Early's show, oh which God, was amazing. Um, and so I've seen you talk about like your body and your different identities on stage. And I'm kind of wondering what your take on whether or not you want to talk about those things on stage. Like, how did you get to that decision, basically? I think I have to, because it's, like, me. Like, my comedy is, <laughs> is very me-focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's observational. There's I make observational jokes, but mostly it's, like, about me and who I am and, like, the life I've lived and the crazy things that happened to me. So you can't really joke about those things unless you're addressing, like, who I am, which is, right, like, a Latina, Afro-Latina, black, brown mixed cultural identity, mm-hmm. uh, like disabled, disabled, an amputee who uses a wheelchair, fat, a woman, like, like it, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense if you're, I'm not really kind of addressing <laughs> who sense. I am. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like when you were first starting out, did you like go through a thought process about how you wanted to talk about your different intersections and identities in comedy? I don't think it was like a very conscious thing. I just wanted to be funny. I just wanted to tell jokes. Like I started comedy because my friend, my best friend, Madison Shepard, she was living with a roommate who was stand up and I was going to his shows and was like, he's not funny. Half these people aren't funny. I'm funny. I can do this. And so I just wanted to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I am funny. Yeah, we would agree. <laughs> so, thank you. But it wasn't, it was just like, you know, what's funny? It's like the things me and my friends do, the life I've lived, the situations I get to. Like, it, it wasn't like I need a checklist of like, I need to hit all these things. But it's just like, by virtue of just being myself and being honest and being like true in what I'm saying... Like, I, I'm addressing those things. I feel like a lot of times if you're talking about things that, like, are, are qualities you have that make you marginalized or that people feel awkward talking about, you have to kind of lead people into how it's okay to laugh about them. I feel like sometimes you have to show people how it's okay to laugh about different things that they, like, maybe previously haven't, like, dealt with all of the ways society marginalizes people. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I know what you're saying. I guess I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> Because I feel like I've always just been like, this is what it is. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm not apologizing for, like, my body. I, I mean, like, the thing is, like, I am physically disabled. I'm a bilateral below the knee amputee. That means I don't have feet. And I use a wheelchair. So just, like, off the bat, you're getting a lot of information of, like, who I am, like, when you see me on stage or at an open mic. So for me to just like be a person mm-hmm. <laughs> like in society like after i lost my legs i was 20 i had to make like a real decision that like i have to kind of keep blinders on and live in just a low key state of denial where i can't take in people looking at me weird yeah. 
oh my gosh, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, I just like, oh, you're so brave. Like, I really have to shut that off and turn that off and just like choose to not see it because then I can't like just live as a person because that's so much to take in. And if you're like feeling, right, all of those eyes on you, all those questions, uh, you know, other people's bullshit, it, it will eat at you. So... I don't know. I feel like I'm a little more aggressive now. I think before when I first started, and I think that's just by virtue of just like being a younger comic and like learning how to write a joke, right? <laughs> learning how to write a joke, learning how to command a room and timing and things like that. Um, if I didn't address the disability or the wheelchair right away, people, you, I could feel people like getting nervous. Sure, yeah. But now it's, you know, I've grown just like in my art, in my comedy, where it's like I don't have to <laughs> do that. I'm not worried about that. I'm just like, Trying to tell, tell jokes and yeah. be funny. I think that and we'll just, get to the wheelchair. Like, trust. Like, we'll get yeah. to it. Don't worry. It it's not up. going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> attitude in itself is guiding people wanting to tell them how to act, you know? I think mostly just, like, audiences or people who I've explained body positivity or whatever to. It's mm-hmm. like, I think if people feel anxious, they take a lot of cues from the person talking. Do you know what I yeah. mean? When you're first starting out, you're, you know, nervous. How do I hold the mic? How do I talk into it? Oh, my God, are people listening? Are they laughing? And it's like, just the more experience you get, the more it's like, oh, okay, no, no, I know what I'm doing up here. And so that attitude informs the audience how to behave. You talked earlier about like being interested and focused on growing in your art and being kind of difficult without having the same markers as like these other white dudes who get things that are not even developing. So I'm wondering, without getting that sort of like outside validation, what are the markers for you to know that you're growing in your art? Like, how do you know that you're doing better and you're like getting more creative and you feel like you're growing? I think that I know that I'm growing because I I keep (laughs) not a list, but every year in comedy, I'll make a list of the things I want to do that year. And it's things, it's like, you know, that kind of idea of like specific, attainable, also, you know, stretching you, but also things that can be quantified, right? So it's like, I want to visit X amount of cities to do comedy, right? Because often, I mean, because essentially you're just like, what? You're writing, you're going to open mics, you're performing on shows, wash, rinse, repeat. Like, it can kind of feel like, you're on a little bit of a hamster wheel. Being able to look back and see, wow, I've done X amount of shows. That's how many minutes of comedy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. just really being able to check in and see what you've done. I think for me, that's really helpful. Also, people like, you know, validation's always dope. Other people (laughs) saying, that was funny. You're so funny. You're my favorite. (laughs) Please, always. I love when people, I know some people don't like that. Um, And they think it's rude. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You're my favorite one. (laughs) As you were saying, you just kind of talk about yourself. But from other people, have you ever heard a good joke about like some of the identities that you have? Not about you specifically, but like, have you ever heard like a good fat joke or like something like that? And if not, or if so, like, what do you consider to be, like, too far from someone else? I, th- I think Madison has, like, really great fat jokes. I love <laughs> I love Madison. I think she's great. I think Nicole Byer has great bits on being fat and being and just not giving a fuck, you know? <laughs> do you think the only good fat jokes are from fat comedians? Yeah. I think it's just, like, why... Would you be talking about it otherwise? I think that anyone can make a joke about anything. Truly, I really do believe that. I think, like, you know, I, I think you can. And But I think that it's just, like, is this, like, honest and real and true to you? Is this the shit that you really give a fuck about? 
Because if you don't and you're just kind of doing it as like some sort of mental exercise and to prove that I like made a good joke about this taboo thing, it's like, who's that for? You don't get a medal. (laughs) You don't like who cares? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so smart. Okay. Yeah. You're still maybe probably a shitty person. I don't know. Because I don't think I've ever heard a good joke from about a marginalized identity from someone who doesn't have that identity is kind of what my question is about. Megan Gailey has a joke in hers. It's I think it's so, so funny where she talks about uh, she was like in line and uh, at the Starbucks and the woman behind her was like, Impatient, just like I used to be in pageants. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, wow. I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't know that you had a fat mom. <laughs> oh my God. It's so fucking funny. Like, it's. Sorry, uh, that does make me you laugh. You know what I mean? It's like, I was like, damn, yeah, that's picture. Ah, picture but it's every so good. pageant girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so good. It's like, oh, where is the lie? You know? Wow. Um, and so it's like, yeah, you can make a good picture. <laughs> Wow. Um, I I mean, I just truly think you can, like, joke about anything. And it's, you know what I mean? It's like she didn't go into a tirade about fat people. And so it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's a good joke. <laughs> um, so you, you said you have the mindset of, like, anything is fair game. But do you ever see somebody do a joke and you're like, I know that's too far. Like, what is your, what is your line? Oh, I mean, for sure. I've seen, you know, all the time. You see, like, lazy, unfunny, hack... It's, like, less offensive, I think, than it's just, like, this is so lazy. Mm-hmm. You think you're the first one to make, like, fat girls give blowjobs joke? <laughs> like, you think this is, like, the original thought? Like, I think, like, that's the thing. It's, like, how embarrassing that you think, like, this is it. You know? Yeah, like, you thought true. this was so good. <laughs> you're going to say it in front of a room of people. Like, we haven't heard that shit before. Yeah. Totally. That makes sense. Um, So kind of touching on like what we started to talk about before, how do you decide which shows you feel comfortable performing in? If you don't feel comfortable, which shows do you think are like good to push yourself to be in front of? And do you think about which comedy environments your work will be received best in? Or like, how do you think about that? For sure. I will do comedy anywhere. (laughs) I will do comedy everywhere. (laughs) I really, I mean, truly like, am I comfortable? It's like oftentimes, probably not. I have to, what, crawl up a a flight of stairs to get to the comedy club, crawl down into a basement or something like that because it's not accessible. More often than not, stages don't have ramps, so it's like, how are we going to get Danielle on stage? Do people got to carry her? Oh, liability. Oh, fine. I'll crawl on stage and carry the wheelchair on and get on on stage. Like, it's just, so I guess, like, I don't know, like, does that make, is that comfortable? No. (laughs) That's not comfortable, but it's just, like, the shit I have to do because I want to be on stage and, like, that's fine. I'll do it. I don't love it. But I think, like, beyond that, it's like, no, I want to do comedy. Granted, like, I've never been asked to do comedy in front of, like, a white supremacist group or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, Would it be a no? And what's your price limit? <laughs> Just I, kidding. I mean, it's the kind of, yeah. Just kidding. But uh, yeah. we all have a number. Oh, my God. We all have a, we all have a price. Like, I thought that when, during the inauguration when there's this black singer. Oh, my God. Grade, fucking psycho. Chrisette Michelle. And she was like, well, he hit my number. It was 750000 Oh, my, my God. Girl, your number is so sad. It's so low. It's so low. It's so low. Very low. <laughs> and now everyone knows. Wow. Yikes. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, like, certain rooms that I'm, like, more excited to perform in for sure, where it's, like, oh, I know it's going to be a hot show, or I know that it's, like, very, like, 
like, women, women of color, queer people, you know what I mean? Like, I just did a show in New York that was so dope called The Sup Show, and this, like, intersectional group of girls run it, and it's, like, you know, it's all of that. It's, like, queer and women and dope, and they pack it out. And I was just like, this is, like, if every show could be this. Like, John Early's show, you know what I mean? Every show can't be that, though. (laughs) And that's okay because, like, performing in other spaces that are, you know, a rowdy bar show, right? Disinterested group of, like, guys with their arms crossed yeah. next to their girlfriends. It's like, that makes me grow as a comic, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's a honestly, like, a privilege that I get to perform. And so I'm glad to do it anywhere that will have me. Does your set change based on who's in the room? Or is there, like, do you ever walk into a room and then you're like, this joke's not going to play and I don't want to do it here? Or do you, or still do you like just barrel through? Go for it. Because at the John Early show, it was like the, the lineup was diverse, but like in the audience, the only black people were me and my sister. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we like yeah. made eye contact with you. We're like, we're here. We're here. <laughs> I don't know if anyone um, else is. Yeah. No, and that's like, and that's the kind of thing too. It's like even in a lot of like women and queer spaces, it's very white. Yeah. Um, like I never want to be the person who's like, this is the set and these are the jokes. And if you don't like it, tough titties. Because mm-hmm. that... I feel like is not um, constructive. I don't think you grow as a performer that way. I think, like, obviously, read the room. You know what I mean? A good performer adapts to their space. Mm -hmm. But you also got to, like, stay true to yourself. And I think for me, I think there's, like, big power in just going out, balls out, and being myself, right? If I'm, like, nervous to perform in a room or a space and it's like, uh uh-oh, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be for me. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be my crowd. It's like that's the time, I think, when you really need to, like, check in and do the shit you give a fuck about. Yeah. Because if you're not taking risks, if you're not pushing yourself, you're not really growing as a performer, um, and finally, so on the show, we're always talking about, like, diversifying your feed, meaning, like, screening, you're scrolling mm-hmm. through Instagram and you don't just see thin white people so you can kind of, like, expand your horizons. Oh, for sure. So if you have any Instagram follows that you're into, I know you're active on Instagram because I follow you. Yay! <laughs> Who are you into on there? IG. I mean... I mean, I love Gabby Fresh. Um, she's like my number one. I mean, you're obviously your audience is like, give me now. Duh, that's entry level, bitch. Um... I really like um, the Plus Bus. They're a plus-size vintage and secondhand store boutique in Glossel Park. Ooh, I love um, Mama Cax. She's an amputee. She has very cool um, prosthetics that she uses and covers that she uses for it. But um, she's a model, and she's gorgeous, like, bald, gorgeous black skin, and she's just always, like, on adventures. And she was actually on the cover of Teen Vogue with Jillian Mercado, oh, cool. who's also, like, a dope disabled um, model as well. And she's Latina, and um, she uses um, an electronic wheelchair. Cool. Yeah, but I like I, I like I like those ladies. What do you What do you think that people who are both like in LA or comedy or writing or whatever, and just outside as fans, can do to like support you and other like people who are not cis straight white? Showing up to our shows, social media follows are huge. Call your local improv. Call whatever is just whatever is the local comedy club and give them a list and say, I want to see Maggie Mae. 
I want to see Daniel Rogweb. I want to see Madison Shepard. And I want to see uh, Atsuko Okatsuka. And, you know, I'm a fan. I like patronizing your club. I want to see these people. Because when a comedy, oftentimes a comedy club, well, we don't book women because people don't show up and people don't buy tickets. If you have fans that give a shit about you enough to call a venue in 2018 and say, I want this person, they will take notice and they will listen. That's important. Not email, (laughs) call. Um, Is there stuff people can do to help, like, encourage venues to be more accessible? I mean, the best way truly, again, call a venue. Even before that, you see an event online, asking the people that run it, ask them in the Facebook page for the event, ask them if it's an event, bright, right, email, inquiry, whatever. If it's an actual venue that you found out about the event, call them up, ask them, is this accessible? Is it accessible seating? Are the bathrooms accessible? It's just, I, I do the PB dance. I'm 34 years old. I do the PB dance because I never know if a venue and space I'm at is going to be, have an accessible bathroom. And if wow. they don't, that would be what does that mean? Nightmare. I have to crawl on a public bathroom floor to yeah. use the toilet. Like Jeez. that. I would rather pee off my wheelchair in an alley, you know? Like, that's oh my God. disgusting. This is so bleak. But I think it's so important for you to share because it's hard for people to even conceptualize, like, okay, what can I do about this? But yeah. I think the answer is, like, cause a stink. Cause you know? a stink. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's, like, when it's, like, able-bodied people doing it, people just, frankly, listen more. Of because course. it's, like, and, and this is the thing that I'm kind of starting to, like, deal with, where it's, like, if I, you know, I'm, you know, starting to, like, say... When is usually it's like, oh, the stage isn't accessible or how, how's it going to work? And it's just like, you know, the venue could get a ramp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know I, I can make it work, but yeah. the venue, I've just been responding in emails like, here's a link to Amazon. Yeah. You Google wheelchair ramp, just find one that works the venue can order it. The venue can write it off. Say April and I were going to have a meetup or something and the space we found, like, what are the, what is a good, do you have like ideas of questions for people to ask to be like, how do I make sure this space is going to be accessible? And then how can I talk about like, how would, I, what would I put on the Facebook event to be like clear about what the limitations or accessibility of the space would be? Like, what would you feel comfortable with if you saw on a Facebook event that you'd be like, okay, they did their research and they tried to make this better for me? Well, I mean, also, too, the spectrum of disability is... For sure. You're only talking for yourself. Okay. So for myself, um, I would want to know if there is disabled parking um, and if there are accessible restrooms. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think those are the two basic things. And also, if there's any notation about stairs, if that is affecting the entrance or exit at all, where it's like, well, there's two stairs. It's like then you should note that or maybe get a ramp, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been really great. I feel more educated. I feel empowered. Yay. I love it. (laughs) Take your educated, empowered ass and come see me at a show. All my shows are on my website. I just redid my website and I keep forgetting because I never plugged it before because it was like, I look like a realtor. It was like, (laughs) it was like this cheesy ass headshot, me in three quarter with my wheelchair, just like, hi. And then just like. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market bio on the other side oh and like God. an italicized like oh times new roman it's like what oh is she gonna God. sell you a house oh my God. <laughs> yeah everyone but my it. website is dope now okay, <laughs> and all my shows are listed and we will link to that in the, show notes. in the show notes everyone look up danielle's shows and try to come to them or call your local comedy place and say bring in this cool la comic demand her i will travel anywhere i was recently in new york i got pneumonia let me get pneumonia in your city, oh my you know? <laughs> Only after wait. my comedy show. <laughs> Take prednisone in any state. Oh my God. It'll be lit. Girl, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so about that life. I'm always sick. Um, thank you so much for doing the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. That was our conversation with Danielle. Um, be sure to check her out. We have all the links to her information in our show notes. And now we didn't get to have a conversation with um, Sophie Hagen because of timing, but she did send in a lovely voice memo for us to listen to. So um, Sophie Hagen is one of our friends and family members. She is a Danish comedian. She has a bunch of specials available on her website and online in different places. Um, she is a fat comedian and she is very funny, and we are so excited to hear from her. Right. Hello. Um, I am super excited that I get to be on She's All Fat. That is uh, really uh, oh, a, a dream come true, if I may. So on stage, I talk about my life. Uh, I feel like that's the area in which I'm mostly an expert. <laughs> it's just myself and my own stories. So I've always talked about my body because my body is part of who I am. You know, it's it's um, it's a big part of my everyday life is living in a fat body. But the difference is when I first began doing comedy, which is now about eight and a half years ago, I would do these really self-deprecating jokes because uh, I still really hated my body. And I still, you know, I, I kind of saw it as a powerful move to tell people that I knew that I was fat like so to, I was like yeah I know you think I'm fat so I'm gonna make jokes about it so like I kind of own the laugh but I would make these really embarrassingly bad jokes like my second ever joke that I did at my first ever gig was something like I have an eating disorder which means that I eat a lot and it hurts inside because I have a chicken wing stuck in my throat <laughs> it was so bad it was so bad so um, then I discovered fat activism and learned about, you know, capitalism and body positivity and all of these things. And um, so now I, I still talk about my body, but now I make jokes about, you know, fat phobia and the people who are fat phobic. And, you know, I'll make a joke where the, the, 
the punchline is about the you know the the men who shout from cars stuff like I'd never fuck you as if you know as if I don't have all the fucking I want at home. <laughs> yeah, so that's the difference now. But I've always talked about it because it's such a big part of of my life. Right. So I'm bisexual, pansexual, uh, and I'm fat, and I'm uh, at least uh, considered to be a woman. And it was tough in Denmark. Um, I started doing comedy in Denmark, and I did it there for a few years before I moved to the UK. And Denmark is still like 20 years behind the UK in terms of, you know, feminism and anti-racism, and just in general, the it's a very white, thin, uh, straight country. And it's really embarrassing to admit because Denmark is also my home, but it's it's not the best place in the world to be considered different. So it was really hard there. Uh, I would get introduced onto the stage uh, as so. This next comedian is a woman, which uh, is okay. It's okay because women can be funny. Like I saw a funny woman the other week. She fell down some stairs. Welcome to the states. So like it's horrible. So in the UK it's much better because you can easier like find your people. So my my audience consists of these hardcore feminists and like introverts and body positive people. Uh, which is like the upside to being a non-cis straight white male comic is that like proper assholes don't come to my gigs. My really nice, pleasant, feminist uh, cis straight white male comedian friends, they, all, they will always have some kind of asshole in the, in the audience because these pricks just see another man and they're like, oh yeah, he'll probably be funny. Uh, and I've, I'm so glad I don't have to gig to them that often anymore. So the downside, I guess, I guess it's the same downside as in any other industry. Like being a woman in the world is tough and being bisexual in the world is tough. Being fat in the world is so tough. So it's kind of the same amount of discrimination, but it's just a different job. Then, of course, there's the you kind of have to listen to more fat jokes then than you possibly. Well, I don't even I think fat jokes are made in every industry, don't you think? Well, OK, which leads me to. Have you ever heard a good fat joke? Uh, and what do you think made it work? Okay, I have so many opinions about this. I'm going to try and make it uh, not an hour's uh, an hour long TED talk. So I have never heard a good fat joke being told by someone who wasn't fat. Like I've le- heard like loads of good angles on fatness from comedians who are fat, like Desiree Birch or Jade Adams or uh, Alison Spittle. Because I think even if the joke is self-deprecating or if it is a bit anti-fat. I'm a bit more reluctant to fight it if the comedian is fat themselves because there is a power in being on stage and saying I've heard these jokes about me all my life and now I'm making money off of telling them myself although I I do prefer if the fat comedians just you know left themselves and didn't feel the need to be self-deprecating but everyone's on their journey and at least it's a fat person doing the joke What primarily makes all fat jokes done by thin comedians bad is that, is that they always say they, do you know what I mean? Like they always say, Hey, you know how fat people, they're like this. They never say you, they never say, Hey, you fat people. And I think that's the worst part. Like you're not even talking to me. You're talking about me, but as if I'm not there, like that's like, I'm invisible. Like It's like thin people talking to other thin people about fat people in front of fat people. And I think that is the worst feeling because like we're here, we're in the audience, we're in, we're backstage listening and you're still saying they, that just shows how much of a coward you are 
that you can't say, hey, you fat people. If you can't say you fat people, then get your ass off stage. Like, I'm not going to listen to you. So there was a comedian who once told me this rule. I don't remember who or where, but I remember the rules so clearly. And the rule was, never do a joke about a group of people if you can't do the joke when they're in the room. So I only write jokes that I can do in front of the people it's about. Uh, otherwise, I, it just feels really shitty. Uh, I do this thing where I invite the hardcore activists to my show before I premiere the show for them to check if I say anything insensitive or problematic. Um, I also used a sensitivity uh, reader for my book to make sure to, that they pick up on any kind of you know, problematic thing I've written without thinking or because I'm unaware of you know, everything that's problematic. That's, it's, it's, there's a lot to learn all the time, so of course I'm going to have something there. Like For example, um, I used to say, ladies and gentlemen, and then someone reminded me that that's uh, gender binary. So now I say, people of the audience. So stuff like that, I always make sure that I'm uh, hurting people as little as possible, which I think is the, uh, I don't know, the very least you can do when you're in a privileged position, which it is to be on stage and have people listening to you. I think that's uh, probably the most privileged position you can, you can be in. Okay, here are my favorites. So on Twitter, Keevan Bay, right? At Keevan Bay, K-I-V-A-N-B-A-Y. Oh my God. So Keevan is amazing. Keevan is so intelligent and Keevan, um, Kevin will do these long academic, but like easy to understand, threats on Twitter about fat activism and fat studies. And it's so interesting. Like he has all these theories, which are true, but they're really complicated theories about, you know, the, the big pharma industry and the and um, oh, and then there's Deshaun L. Harrison, which is also on Twitter at underscore I am royal. Uh, who's a, a black, queer, communist guy who's just amazing. It's just, I learned so much from following him, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful that people like him put stuff on Twitter for me to just follow for free. And on Instagram, it's 100% at uh, Shuklet, so S-H-O-O-G-L-E-T. And I think that's uh, Shuk McDaniels, who takes photos the most beautiful photos of fat bodies and these fat bodies are often like caressing or like holding each other or like lying on the forest floor the pictures are beautiful it's like proper fat people you know it's not like a size 12 with a belly roll this is like fat people and they're beautiful and they're happy and it's it it's if I had to follow just one Instagram account it would be Shuklet so S-H-O-O-G-L-E-T um, on Instagram uh, and there's loads more, but I'm, I need to stop talking because I'm enjoying uh, being on this podcast way too much. So uh, thank you for having me, and I hope everything was uh, just okay. Thank you. Now that we've heard from these incredible women, yes, what are your thoughts about this topic? My thoughts are that I think what, um, especially Danielle, does not fully grasp yet because she's the one on stage doing it is that I bet it's so hard to like have this be a part of your act and have all these people making judgments about you. Like what Danielle was saying during her interview, which is that people will see her on stage and they obviously will see her disabilities and see her like blackness and see her identities. So she gets to decide how she talks about it. But 
I just think it must be hard that like white white guy comedians get to go on stage and nobody makes any assumptions yeah. about who they are. Like if they're wearing a polo, you might think it's a bro, but it's not the same thing as seeing somebody in a wheelchair. Yes. So I think it's probably really hard. And I think it takes a lot of balls to go up there and be like, I'm going to steer the conversation the way I want to. Totally. And I just really admire both of them. Yeah. That's how I feel. You know, Hannah Gadsby talks about this a little bit in Nanette and stuff. It sucks to have to feel like you have to, like anything other than the norm has to be explained or something. Mm -hmm. But also I do think there's genuine comedy that can be mined from it. For sure. It's just that it's like so many people are doing it in a bad way. So many, like every, anytime I watch a stand-up special, I'm just like waiting for the fat joke, you know? And it will come. And it will come. And so it's just like. You have to just keep that in mind. When you did your first stand-up, which I was very proud to witness. Thank you. You're so good. Thank you so much. And you're the best one there. And it made me want to do it because I want to be like you. Oh, my God. Thank you. Um, uh, Do it for my fans. You you did have listeners there. Oh, my God. It's crazy. What did you... You talked about being fat in Mm -hmm. it. And, like, did you think about that in a specific way? Or were you just like, I think this is funny? I honestly talked about it because I wanted people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> so I talked about it because I wanted a way to promo She's All Fat. Amazing. But also, yeah, I, I felt the same way Danielle feels where it's just like, I knew I'm going to walk on stage and people see that I'm fat and I get to decide how they think about it based on what I say because people are really like easily influenced. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet they'll think exactly what I tell them to think. Yes. And so I had fun with that. I, I had fun dealing with people's expectations like uh, during my set I talked about like how people treat certain celebrities like Barb from Stranger Things or like Kourtney Kardashian in 2010 as if they're fat and so it's kind of fun thinking about like okay no this is what a real fat person is versus your interpretation of someone who's a size eight as being fat I had fun with that I had fun like making people uncomfortable and then seeing them like warm up to me was cool yeah um but yeah it's it's just a really interesting position to be in because it's like people are looking to you for an example of like, how am I supposed to feel about this? <laughs> and you can tell them how to feel, yeah. which is cool. No, I, yeah, I so like admire all of these comedians. And I also, I want to intro like a little clip from Nanette because I think Hannah Gatsby has like almost an opposite interpretation than these comedians yeah. where she's kind of like, I don't want to talk about my marginalization anymore because I don't want to like humiliate myself for other people's benefit. Yeah. And when I saw Nanette, I was like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good point. I have built a career out of self-deprecating humour. And I simply will not do that anymore. Not to myself or anybody who identifies with me. Do you understand what self-deprecation means? It's not humility. It's humiliation. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a line where it's like, yeah, I don't want... I don't want any more jokes where people are like, I'm fat and that sucks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't it funny that I'm disgusting and yeah. no one will ever love like, me? I don't want that I don't want that either. But I think that there's plenty of humor to be made in just the specifics of anyone's life. But overall, I think fat comedians are so important. I think like comedy is a space where people like go in there obviously to laugh, but it's really easy to change somebody's like per- perception and perspective on something if they see it in a place like a comedy club like a comfortable place like somewhere seeing entertainment so i think that's actually really important work there's a lot of fat men comedians and they like sometimes talk about their weight in a hateful way and sometimes they don't and like they're not expected to in the same way Mm -hmm. um and that really rubs me the wrong way absolutely and also it's because people have different 
assumptions about them when they get on stage. Like, is Louis C.K. known as a fat comedian? He's not thin. But, like, I don't know if that's even what he's he, known for. No, but he often in his stand-up would be like, I'm fat and bald. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm like disgusting very, and yeah. no one will ever love me. But yeah. people don't talk about him in the way where they're just like, isn't it notable that yes, this comedian? Because exactly. <laughs> well, he's, like, a white straight guy. Exactly. And, like, it's, they're allowed to be whatever. Well, we asked during the art interviews with people what their favorite fat joke was. Do you have a favorite fat joke? No, I don't think there's any specific ones that I can think of off the top of my head because I just, like, don't watch that much stand-up. But I do think it's funny whenever people just talk about the, like, physical realities of it. Just, like, anything that's, like, LOL about sweating. Yeah. Honestly, I relate. You know? I want to relate to that and laugh at it together, not laugh at being gross. Like, I think the difference is, yeah, exactly that. Like, commiserating about your experience and versus being like, and isn't it funny that, yeah. like, everyone hates me? Right, exactly. It's like there's a big difference between being, like, yeah. the human body is gross yes. because we're all human. Mm-hmm. And, like, here's the specific way mine and other people's are, like, funny and weird. Not, like, aren't fat people bad? Yeah. Which is, like, that Daniel Schloss guy, oh, yeah. like, had a bunch of that shit mm-hmm. in his stand-up, like, recently, you know? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll write some good ones and try to go do stand-up, too. Hell, yeah. All right. That's the meat of it for this week. We've cracked the fat joke. You're, You're welcome. welcome. And now it's time to ask a fatty. <laughs> do you like my sexy ask a fatty voice? <laughs> If you want advice, you can send a voice memo of yourself asking a question to FYI at she's all fat pod. It's like a late night commercial. I'm like, you can text a fat bitch. You can at- text video memo. <laughs> you can record it on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> or the voice memo app on your iPhone. Just keep it short, about one minute max. Or if you're shy, you can send us a plain old email at FYI at she's all fat pod.com and we might answer your question. Right here on the show. Real local voice memos. <laughs> Send us your voice memos. That's horrible. We're waiting to hear from you today. <laughs> oh my God. They're um, waiting. We're waiting. Wow. I've not watched those commercials in so long. <laughs> this week on Ask a Fatty, we have a very special letter from Hannah. Hi, April and Sophie. This is the bridesmaid Hannah from last season. First, a quick update on the dress. I did talk to my cousin and she was super understanding and we were able to come up with a dress that fit her wedding vision, but everyone in the wedding party also feels comfortable with. Secondly, I have a question for April. I love when April talks about her Liberian heritage on the podcast and just how in love with her culture she sounds. And I want to know her opinion on people who try to get in touch with their African ancestry or African cultures. I, I'm biracial. Um, my father's family is black, but I wasn't raised with them, so I have no information on our heritage or history. Um, being African-American, I can make some guesses, of course, but I wanted some more concrete information, so I did take a DNA test and got my results back. I found out that I have ancestry um, primarily from Nigeria, um, but also some in the Congo and Senegal and Guinea. So I've been doing some research on those countries, trying to become more knowledgeable on them. From April's perspective, when you see Black people trying to get in touch with their African ancestry, is there a line that we cross where it becomes cultural appropriation? Um, I, I want to know more about these cultures, and I want to try to engage them more in my life, but I want to make sure I'm doing it in a way that is respectful to those cultures and the people. 
any any advice that you have on on how to approach this in a way that isn't offensive would be really great. All right. Thank you, Hannah, so much for that question. So I'd like to take... I'm just kidding. 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 Very rarely that we get a question addressed to just one of us, but this question I am happy to answer for a couple of reasons. Number one, as you know from our It's Okay, You Can Ask segment, usually I will not answer questions about cultural appropriation because like, don't find a black person to ask about cultural appropriation is problematic. This is however different because it's coming from a person of color trying to figure out their own identity, which I totally relate to and respect and encourage. I also want to note that of course, black people are not a monolith, which y'all know, but I just got to say, because there will be two people who did not know that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer from my personal perspective. There are lots of different black people and people who are first generation Africans who feel differently, but this is how I feel. I feel that black Americans were like stripped of their cultural identity on purpose and it's really fucked up and I feel like it's yours and you have every right to it just like me and if you don't know exactly where you come from like you know those tests are problematic because as we all know like race is not necessarily biological but if they offer you kind of like a guide to help figuring out like okay maybe I'm Nigerian maybe I can get more educated about Nigerian history I can read some Nigerian authors I can try to figure out you know some cultural customs and adopt them into mine like I totally accept that I think even if you do it wrong like it's okay because it's yours and it's not your fault that you don't know about your culture that's slavery's fault and yikes (laughs) like it's fucked up but I know there's a lot of African people who feel differently but for me I'm like I don't think I'm more entitled to my culture just because my parents came here on by their own free will like I I think that you know has nothing to do with it so um there are a couple places I want to point you to as you go on this journey there's a podcast called the stoop that I stand. They're amazing. I think I mentioned before on this pod that they have an episode about like African Americans trying to figure out their African heritage and how some people feel about it and how people have gone about it. And so I think that was in their first season. So I would recommend you listen to the stoop. A lot of their episodes are about this. That's the only thing I was going to be able to contribute was that (laughs) stoop episode. And and the whole podcast, honestly, because one of them is an African immigrant and the other one is African American. Their conversations are really, really, really interesting. For sure. I love them. And they cover a lot of this stuff in a way that's just like I think very understanding like I feel like I understand where you come or you're coming from and there's a lot of places online who are like black Americans are not African yeah fuck up I don't feel like that at all um and so I would encourage you to listen to them yeah I would encourage you to just take the ancestry DNA DNA results with like a bunch of uh grains of salt (laughs) not that it's not like like I'm sure you are Nigerian but just that of course we all know like race and culture and ethnicity are not so black and white yeah hashtag Um, elizabeth warren yeah i'm gonna link to this elizabeth warren uh piece on her in the new yorker about how she did that video last week that was like see i am native american so donald trump is wrong i'm like girl yikes like you're not native american until you're treated like native american i think that's how that works so you know i wouldn't form your new identity based on your results but if your question is like should i feel entitled to getting in touch with my african heritage i would say absolutely it's your heritage like it's yours so yeah i would encourage you i would say like yeah you can wear whatever you fucking want like who cares it is yours you should experiment with it it's beautiful it's fucked up that that was taken from you but i would encourage you to keep exploring and keep learning and i would start with reading a bunch of african authors like sophie talked about that book akata witch mm-hmm. last week i'm reading a really good collection of african short stories that's like pretty recent that and the, there's a really good intro to it and stuff um as someone who likes books short story collections are a great way to discover new authors in a certain like genre or kind of writer 
So like this, like this has been great because I've already found like three authors who I want to be like, what other stuff did they write? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would also recommend following like writers. Let's like, let's say you want to learn about Nigerian heritage. All the Nigerian American writers I follow are always talking about like new Nigerian books, new blogs, new websites. So I would follow them as like a guide. Um, Children of Blood and Bone just came out and that author is Nigerian as well. She's amazing. Tommy's great. She's everywhere these days. Um, But yeah, I would just encourage you on your journey. You're doing great. It's not cultural appropriation because you literally are black and you're entitled to it. That's how I feel anyway. That's it. Um, Thank you so much for your question, Hannah. Bye. Thanks, Hannah. Good luck. Now let's move on to It's Okay You Can Ask, a segment where we ask each other the questions that are usually off limits and Sophie gets real sweaty real fast. (laughs) We'll find out the answers to our burning questions like, are Playboy Cardi and Cardi B different people? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I, I don't know who Playboy Cardi is, but I know that's not Cardi B. Okay. Or, why do white people eat bell peppers like they're apples? It's just one video I sent you. I, and you did it this morning. I watched you. I cut it up. Still. I didn't eat it like an apple. I didn't bite into it. Okay, okay, okay. All right, it's your turn this week, so lay it on me. Okay, so you mentioned that your favorite kinds of It's Okay's are where I just ask you questions about tweets. Yes. So I just saved a bunch of tweets in our DMs to each other that we're going to go through. Perfect. Mutual Stan. Mutual Stan, Crystal, host of The Read. Everyone should be listening to The Read, tweeted, is Playboy Cardi problematic? My brother is asking to, quote, borrow money for a ticket. (laughs) So who's Playboy Cardi? First of all, I love that Crystal's always talking about her like little brother who always wants to borrow money for like shoes and concerts and food (laughs) like i just relate and i really love crystal and really love the read um i don't actually i mean i know he's a rapper could i name a playboy cardi song absolutely not but he's definitely in that class of rappers that's just like who are you what's your name where'd you come from what's going on like he's definitely one of those so anyway i know he's a rapper i i can't deal with these new rappers these days i'm getting too old for this shit wow (laughs) okay uh, let's continue. Okay, what else? We've got several to get through. All right. Okay, you already told me you don't know what this is, but I'm going to ask anyway. Okay. This person who said, talking about Andrew Gillum, who, like, is a candidate for governor in Florida against this super racist shit bag. Okay, perfect. Um, and he's black, and he, like, did this um, in the debate, in one of the debates recently. He was, like, he literally was just, like, I'm not saying you're racist. I'm just saying that racists think you're racist. And everybody in the audience was, like, like, oh! It was like a rap video. Like, what is it? Like Like a a battle? battle. It was like a battle. It was great. The way people reacted was like a battle. Yeah. Um, And then this person... This person responded, it feels so good to have a truth-telling candidate, plus I bet he was good at the dozens when he was a kid. This person is Fasaha Trailer, co-author of They Carried Us, The Social Impact of Philadelphia's Black Women Leaders, Pub Date 2019. So, she's black. Okay. What is the dozens? (laughs) Can't believe you were like... She's black, so I mean, I'm just <laughs> don't saying you both that's know this segment. No, I don't know what the dozens are. I assume it's some sort of uh, game. <laughs> What's the dozens? Should I check Urban Dictionary? We're yeah. gonna find out together. Okay. The Urban Dictionary article entry here says playing the dozens is an African American custom in which two competitors, usually male, go head to head in a competition of comedic trash talk. Wow. They take turns cracking on or insulting one another, their adversary's mother or other family members. Is this just that Yo Mama show? It's just it's just yeah, essentially Yo Mama Hosted by Wilmer Valderrama. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. Um, It's just verbal sparring. All right. I know about sparring. I just never heard about the dozens. Cool. All right. Good to know. Love it. Okay, next tweet. This is by Jabuki, our fave, our short king. My short king, yes. 
Black Protestant culture is being dragged to church on Halloween with no costume and trying not to cry while you eat Tootsie Rolls and play musical chairs to Kirk Franklin. <laughs> Do you relate to this? Who is Kirk Franklin? You don't know who Kirk Franklin is? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Okay, did you ever watch the show Sister, Sister? You did, yeah. right? Can you remember the episode in the college years where Tamara's boyfriend doesn't want to be, he, like, doesn't want to go to church with her? He's yes. not Christian anymore. And then she takes him to this concert, and then the singer is like, Do you want a revolution? Whoop, Yes. Whoop. That's Kirk Franklin. Oh. <laughs> so he's like a... It's so funny. He is a star, but he's not a singer. He has a bad voice. So he, like, leads his choir, and then it's, like, Kirk Franklin and Friends, and then they do the singing, and then he just, like, shouts out the lyrics. But he's, like, the most famous, one of the most famous gospel artists. I do know him. Um, Yeah, I did grow up Lutheran, but, like, you know, my mom was, like, chill. Like, she, like, let me trick or treat. (laughs) But I definitely knew other people who were, like, my mom said I got to go to the church basement and play, like... Uh, Christ-related game. You do talk about things being dark-sided. <laughs> do I? <laughs> Whenever I look at my crystals. I have accused you of being demonic before. Yeah, and I have. do apologize for that. <laughs> I just also want to say, I don't know who Kirk Franklin is, but you didn't know who Joan Baez was. No, I did not. Okay. I, I still don't. That's okay. <laughs> Great. Moving on to our next tweet. This is rapid fire. I love this. All right. Okay. Sleeping in an ethnic household during the winter be like... And then it's Homer Simpson with a blanket over him in three different photoshopped images. In the first one, there's like a psychedelic looking huge rose on like a green background. The next one is um, like black and white, two huge tigers on a blanket. And then the third one is another rose imagery. What is this about? <laughs> this is this is another one of those things where it's like, wow, if Twitter didn't exist, I would never know that other people experienced this. But so my mom didn't have these, but one of my best friends growing up was Tim Neat. Shout out to Tim Neat. She's Ethiopian. And whenever I would go to her house, her mom would wrap me in specifically the black one in this photo. Oh, really? Like the exact one. I don't know where they came from, but they were like a thick fleece and they were like so comfortable and kind of heavy. So you would just knock out when you got one. But I'm like, yeah, a lot of African people have that blanket. I don't know where they're getting what it from. What is it? I don't know where it's from. But yeah, Tamni, shout out to your mom, Rudabay. Okay, moving on. All right. Okay, this is the animal kingdom after reading Brother Nature's old tweets. <laughs> and then the video is my favorite song from Lion King one and a half. Okay. <laughs> or Lion King two. Disgrace, evil, yeah. as plain as the scar on his face. Yeah. Deception and outrage for shit, etc. You have shared this, yes. So who's Brother Nature? What were his old tweets? Okay, so I didn't see the tweets in question. I just saw the response to the tweets. But Brother Nature is just this guy who's like 20, I think. And he just will make videos of himself hanging out with animals. And he he's like a Steve Irwin, Steve Irwin vibe. Like, okay. shout out to Rest in Peace Steve Irwin. So he just like has fun with animals and calls himself Brother Nature. But apparently, I mean, he's very young. So when he started Twitter, he was like 11. And so somebody found his tweets from when he was 11 and they were like kind of fucked up apparently. (laughs) And so now everyone's mad at him. But I think we forgave him. He posted a nice apology. It was just like, you know, I'm learning and I was literally 11. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Literally 11. Um, But he seems like a sweetheart to me. Time will tell. Okay. Next tweet. We're blasting through him. Okay. This one is this person. He's tweeted, I don't trust black men who don't like black women. Mm-hmm. But that was notable to me is that his display name is Homotep. <laughs> I'm scared. And his at is Uncle Gurry. Okay. Is that a reference to something? I have no idea. Okay. This is the rest of his bio. You're Gunkle. Yeah. Um, freed, light-skinned, black. Yes. Gamer with G-A-Y. 51% evil. <laughs> um, mambo sauce enthusiast. Young, gifted, and black. What is Mambo Sauce Enthusiast? There's, what is Mambo Sauce? I feel like I've had that. Let me Google. 
Okay, it's a famous Washington, D.C. wing sauce. I believe I've tried this. But so, he loves the wing sauce. He's a gay uncle. There's lots going on there. That's a lot. That's a lot. Anyone with a Hotep in their Twitter bio, I just, I can't. Yeah. (laughs) I can't do it with Hoteps. Okay, final one. You sent this to me and said, it's an It's Okay freebie. (laughs) I don't remember sending that. Okay. It's a video, and the caption is, wave check hashtag n cat okay yes. and it's a video of a bunch of guys this looks like a frat of some sort maybe okay. they're all like college age and they all have like scarves on <laughs> their heads okay. and then they take they go wave check and yeah. they take it off their heads and then their hair is like fixed in a certain way that looks <laughs> bumpy it looks bumpy <laughs> What's going on here? She said it looks bumpy. I mean, it's a bad <laughs> Okay, so history lesson here. Okay. As much as uh, certain types of black men like to criticize black women on the internet for wearing weaves, they too manipulate their hair. Okay. So okay. <laughs> waves are basically like they can go to the barber and get a certain type of like hair product put in their hair that will make their hair look looser and wavier than their texture actually is. So they'll like put the waves in and then they have to wear like a really tight like satin cap around it to kind of keep them in place and you have to do it for a long time sort of like while the hair is setting and then they'll take them off and reveal like waves and it's almost like oh yeah look at your like they create good hair for themselves that's what waves are but they want to talk shit about me good hair that's good hair because it's supposed to look looser like they'll take their like tight kinky curls and put something in it to make it look like oh my hair's just really loose and wavy like a looser curl this is supposed to be more appealing than if it's just their natural hair their natural hair Slavery was bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're still working through it. Like that is their equivalent of like trying to whatever get closer to whiteness. Yikes. Um but I, I don't know I what the no understanding is. of this. <laughs> they're just they're they that's their good hair. They're okay. like I'm my I have loose curly good hair. So what are all these guys yelling wave check at each other about? I guess they were all working on their waves all weekend. But I don't yeah, I don't know what this gathering is. All right. Well Amazing. thanks for that freebie that you don't even know about what they're doing. <laughs> I mean I know what waves are, but I don't know who organized that. Well, those Incredible. are the tweets that I had trouble understanding this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for knowing half of them. Oh my goodness. It's my batting average. <laughs> about fifty fifty. And that's our show. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to FYI at she's all Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. She's All Fat is created, produced, and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Khan and April K. Quio. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Our music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was mixed and edited by Maria Wortel. Special thanks to our fairy intern mother, and Barbara and our brand new intern Kirsten Berg. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcast. Bye. We've we've cracked the fat joke. Yeah. All right.
Let's do another take of that. So Maria doesn't have a nightmare editing this. Welcome. Let's try one okay. more time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.